Hi, this is presenter Kate O'Halloran, and this is the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. Kick Like a Girl dissects the week in AFLW with stars and fans of the game and focuses not just on the action on field, but the politics off it. We hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Kick Like a Girl's Facebook page, Twitter or website. Before we get stuck into today's jam-packed, as always, lineup, I just want to say welcome to my co-host for the third week running, Emily Fox. Hi, Em. Good afternoon, Kate. How are you? I am not bad. How are you? Of course you are. Good. It's always good when you've been able to watch an amazing weekend of football again. I know. There were so many good games this weekend too, which we're about to get cracking into. For those who may not have heard you before, do you want to do a little intro? I know it's always awkward, but you know. Okay. So I (laughs) am a amateur footballer, amateur actor, amateur broadcaster, (laughs) amateur at lots of things. uh, And I do a lot of work in uh, transgender and gender diverse advocacy as well. So... That's about the extent of it for me. And that is underselling yourself in a big way, but thank you for doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just in terms of today's schedule, we're going to do a review of round three. As we said, lots of uh, excellent games over the weekend to talk about. Then we're going to go through our Erin Phillips Appreciation Award voting, which is our 321 Best and Fairest. And then we'll have a very special Pride-themed Voices from the Stands by Kirby Fenwick, which is where she... Uh, roving Mike roves through the crowd on the weekend talking to people about why they love AFLW this week, specifically why they love Pride Games. Then we're going to have a whole heap of pre-recorded content. Uh, UM caught up with uh, Mua Lalawifi, is that how Mua I say her name? yeah. Uh, over the weekend, Carlton Star. And you also put together a very special Pride package with Darcy Vessio, also of Carlton, Debbie Lee, women's footy stalwart, and Danielle Warby, an advocate for women in sport. It was really special to see all, everyone at the Pride Games as well. It was mm. a really big turnout. There was, I think, nearly 9,000 people at the Western Bulldogs Carlton game. And it also brought a lot of key figures within the queer community in Melbourne to the football as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a really good celebration and it was worth um, exploring that. Yes, indeed. We're going to talk about it in a moment, so we won't give it all away just yet. And then <laughs> uh, then we had a, um, we've got an interview to play for you with Fremantle captain Cara Antonio uh, and a big thanks to Danae Gibson for doing that one for us. She's a... Frio Tragic, former Chick Talking Footy on Joy FM Now Talks producer at RTR FM in Perth. And we're lucky enough that she was able to do that one for us. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Of course, our Darcy Vesio Smash the Patriarchy segment where we talk about all the action off field and a preview of round three. Big show. Big show. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get started uh, with the action over the weekend. First game, of course, was how could we forget the uh, thrilling victory by St Kilda over Melbourne? It was something special to watch. It was a Pride game. It was St Kilda uh, AFLW being their first season. So it was their inaugural Pride game. And they've been one of the people who led the Pride movement uh, within the men's game. So Mm -hmm. for them to take it on board as well. And it seemed like the, the team really lifted around this concept and they managed to get the points. Melbourne's highly rated mm. uh, coming into this game. They've been quite impressive. But, uh, yeah, St Kilda just kind of worked them over in the end, made the most of their chances. And, yeah, we got to see a new uh, cult hero unleashed. <laughs> I know Moravin. who is. Uh, Caitlin Greiser. Correct. Called and the G train. The G train. She's the new G train. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she announced herself to the football world with a standout 
performance as a key forward. So that's, uh, yeah, somebody we're really keen to watch for the rest of the year. I just loved it when she took that last um, kick at goal and, you know, as soon as she marked it from about 45, 50 out, she just walked back back to the goals, you know, no intention of handing that off, just knew she was going to kick it. Yeah, and she, <laughs> like 55 metres, sailed it through, it was phenomenal performance oh. and it wasn't the best weather out there on Friday night either but mm. they definitely brought some high quality football out mm. to the uh, the ground in Moorabbin. What was the atmosphere like because you were there weren't you? Yeah and it was electric it was a really big crowd and there was a really good energy there. Mm. Uh, you can just see that the St Kilda faithful it's been 30 odd years until there was AFL games played at that ground mm. but they're coming back and they have a really good carnival feel mm. and yeah, it was just like the noise, the sound when that final siren went, and I'm, <laughs> there was people crying in the crowd. Really? It was yeah, it was special, really oh. special. Well, yeah, I was sort of barracking for them. No offense, demons fans, but just wanted them to get over the line because I knew how special that a win that would be, and they celebrated like it was special as well. Peter Sell got in the action, got drenched. I think she did. <laughs> yes, I managed to get into the rooms after that game, and yeah, yeah, she was soaked from head to toe. Wow! But I'm sure, sure, she would have thought it was worth it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we had the other. So there were two official Pride games this weekend. Anyway, the next is the traditional one that's been happening for a few years now between the Bulldogs and Carlton. Uh, Carlton getting over the top of the doggies at home, 8 to 4 6 What did you make of this one? What I loved about this game was just really high-quality, high-skillful game of football. Mm. Like the ball movement by both teams was really, really strong. Carlton had the measure of the dogs in regards to forward 50s mm. and making their most of the chances. But um, the Western Bulldogs stayed in there right to the end. I don't think the scoreline suggests exactly how close that game was. It was 8-3-51 to 4-6-30, mm. but uh, the dogs definitely weren't made to look silly, mm. I, I guess you could say. Uh, and just watching Carlton, Carlton again was led by Maddie Presparkis and Lucy McAvoy. So mm. the, the two high draft picks from the last two years mm. uh, have already become the heart and soul of that midfield. And yeah, they're putting in some performances that, are, that we have to watch now. I know. Presparks, I think, had 24 disposals, 16 kicks, uh, along with six tackles. So That's yeah. just become the new normal for her. She's <laughs> taken it to another level, and her season last year was phenomenal. And just to take that other step again. Yes, incredibly impressive. Just can't believe that she's only in her second year. But, you know, showing that rising star form even, you know, uh, has gone to another level again this year. I can't wait to see what she produces down the track. Uh, then we had the inaugural women's Q clash, the Suns and Lions drew 4-4-28 each. I was trying to figure out, is this the first draw we've had at AFLW? No, not in uh, the last few seasons. There's been a few, but this was the first this year. First one this year. And Gold Coast aren't going away. No. Uh, as regards to the expansion teams, a lot of people weren't thinking there were going to be much impact on this season. But Brisbane have been one of the form teams going into this game. They've mm. knocked off Adelaide. They've knocked off uh, Geelong. Mm. But for Gold Coast to hold their own and get the draw, um, and it was a, an all-team all performance by Gold Coast. There was no mm. real standouts, but there was no passengers in that game either. So mm. there's definitely a, a culture build that's happening in Gold Coast that I think is going to set them up for a positive future. Yeah, well, uh, did you see the last quarter? Because they really nearly run over the top of Brisbane. They probably should have won. Yeah, a few more minutes and it might have been a very different result. Mm. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing that they... Uh, Brisbane somehow avoided conceding a rush behind towards the end. I thought that was going to be the difference, but yeah, 
Anyway, then we had uh, Frio Collingwood in the West. Uh, Dockers just won by a few points, 5-3-33 to 4 6 30. What do you reckon? This was the two form teams. Like we just spoke Brisbane have been playing really well, but these two teams were the ones that have really caught eye mm. going into round three. Mm-hmm. So this was going to be a flagship. This was a showdown kind of game and uh, we, we wasn't disappointed. It was so close. Collingwood probably once again, mm. a few more minutes, they might have been able to get there. Um, mm. I think Frio, I thought Frio actually, if, if they were, well, they won, but I thought I think they ended the game with the ball, but... Um, are you surprised? Sorry, I'm just jumping all around the place here. Are you surprised, I guess, by how well Collingwood are going this year? Because a lot of people weren't so gung ho about the Pies preseason. No, I've always thought they've had some exceptional talent. That especially the high end of their list, the some absolute elite players of the game. Mm. Uh, I think there may have been possibly some issues around getting the coaching mix right. Mm. Uh, I think they've underperformed terribly last few years, but Mm. getting a new coaching staff in, it looks like it's made a difference Mm. on the park. Mm. But you've also got to look at the legacy uh, last year. They won the VFLW Premiership. Penny Cooler-Reed coached them Mm. to that thing. I think they only dropped one or two games for the year. And that core part of that team were able to build up uh, that rapport amongst each other that I think has then transitioned into the AFLW season. So Collingwood due mm. to start playing good football and we're now getting that result. And once again, like knocking off Fremantle at home is going to probably look like an impossible task this year mm. and Collingwood nearly did it. Yeah, very close indeed. Uh, and probably can't underestimate the um, influence of recruiting Bree Davey either. I think. Yeah, Bree coming back into that midfield. Bree is a real inside midfielder. She offers a lot of grunt, but what that's now allowing is players like Jamie Lambert, Britt mm. Benici, um, these kind of players to get to the outside. Steph Kiochi's having an absolute standout season. She's been exceptional controlling playoff half back and through the midfield. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that one extra cog in that midfield with Bree Davey. Uh, definitely is making a difference for a lot of the other players around her. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to GWS Giants uh, against West Coast at home for GWS. 6-6-42, they won by 28 points to 2-2-14. Uh, do you think the Eagles are struggling? I mean, they obviously haven't won a game, um, didn't really look like it at all this week anyway. No, they didn't even score goals until late in the game. At, well, they at, were zero 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 at the three-quarter time exactly. break, Exactly, and it looked like they weren't going to score at all. Mm. Um, and GWS, it was just a training run. It looked like circle work half the time. Mm. At the moment, West Coast looks like it's uh, just become Dana Hooker versus whichever team they're playing against. And I know, who got a terrible boot in the face as well. Yeah, right in the throat. And I haven't heard oh. anything back about how bad that injury was. But uh, to see her suffering on the ground like that after getting a boot right into the middle of her throat was oh, really was concerning. Awful. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to now for the Eagles. This mm. is, it's usually a proud football club and it's a team that expects success. So mm. it's going to be interesting how they see kind how. of make the most of the rest of this season because at the moment... They just don't look like they've got the talent to put a proper performance on on the park. Well, yeah, I suppose, you know, the new clubs, they either focused on the big recruits or building, you know, more of a team culture and game plan like, say, a St Kilda versus a Richmond-style recruiting strategy, which is a good segue because we had a really lopsided contest uh, again in the next game, Richmond and the Kangaroos at Icon Park. Um, Kangas scored 76, 12-4, 76, won by 56 points to 
2820 Richmond. Yeah, it was something of a procession in regards to Kangaroos' goals. They they weren't really challenged. They converted most of the time. They got inside 50s. Mm. Uh, I think the thing that's concerning me about Richmond is they seem to be playing with an undersized defence. Phoebe Monaghan's doing incredible work with the one percenters, the tackling, the defensive pressure and the rebounds. Mm. But she's not huge. She hasn't got a massive size. Uh, and then you got a Kesh... Mikhail Chout, who as well, she's got a lot of pace, really good with rebounding, but she's not exactly a, mm. a a lockdown defender as well. So I think that's the challenge with Richmond. Rebecca Miller's a developing player, so there is something to look forward to. But at the moment, they just can't stop mm. people scoring goals. Mm. And and even then with uh, North Melbourne, it wasn't Emma King who pulled them apart. It was a lot of the midfielders. Kearney mm. kicked three. Yeah. Uh, um, Riddell had plenty of the ball, so did um, Jenna Bruton. Yeah, just uh, looked too good across the ground, I think. Um, we might come back to that because we've got the last game to cover off. Um, this one was really close right until the end, but the Crows pulled away 8-1-49 to the Cats, 6-2-38 at home, who are now winless after three rounds, which seems a bit harsh, I think, given their performances. Yeah, I think they've been very unlucky, Geelong. Uh, mm. Last week against Brisbane was not a great performance, but... Prior to that, they came against a really good form Dockers side. And once again, the score probably didn't reflect how close that game was. Mm. Uh, this was the one that Geelong couldn't afford to drop. Mm. It was always going to be a hard game, but they had their home ground advantage. Yeah. Uh, but the Crows just put on an absolute clinic again. Eight goals won. They couldn't miss. It was really high scoring right across the whole round this mm. week. And when you get some decent weather, we really saw some high-quality, high-skilled football. And that's what Adelaide could bring to the table. And it was just too much for Geelong. Yes, and uh, an unlucky umpiring call right at the end, but let's not talk about that right now because um, we need to get on to our votes. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. And we are about to give out our three, two, ones. And I declare the winner of the Aaron Phillips, the best in Ferris. Did you, did you actually chop that together so it says the winner of the Aaron Phillips or did Gil just stuff that up? No, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> okay, all right. We were a little bit generous with Gil's words, <laughs> but I'm sure he'd be okay with it. <laughs> well, Full I really, disclosure. I really for a few weeks thought that he must have just said that, which was like, that's amazing. <laughs> um, all right, uh, do you want to go first? What about your three, two, one, Emily? My three votes went to Jamie Lambert this mm-hmm. week. She, though Collingwood didn't get across the line in this one, but it was one of the most dominant all-round performances that I've seen. I think she had 32 touches in the end, but she had plenty of marks, plenty of tackles, lots of pressure acts. She was rebounding from defensive 50. She was pumping him into forward line, mm. uh, and she kicked a goal. So there wasn't much more that Chops could do. No. But, uh, yeah, it was something impressive. Not far behind was Ebony Marinoff. She got my two votes once mm-hmm. again. Uh, Anne Hatchett has been getting a lot of the kudos this year, but mm-hmm. we can't forget how good Ebony Marinoff is and she put it in a really solid performance. And my one vote went to Caitlin Greiser from St Kilda. Uh, ah. She absolutely announced herself. St Kilda kicked three goals for the game. She kicked two of them yep. and she had the score assist on the other one. So, <laughs> yeah, she was directly involved in all of the goals that managed to get St Kilda their first ever win. I don't think you can... Uh, not acknowledge that performance. No, uh, my votes were very similar. I really felt like I could have given votes to 
10 different players this mm. week. It was really hard to pick a 3-2-1 across the round. I went with Jamie Lambert with three as well. She had 32 disposals, eight tackles and a goal. Like you say, couldn't have done much more than that. Then I actually went for Kate Lutkins because I think she's criminally underrated, had 12 marks, lots of intercept mm-hmm. possessions. Uh, she was best on ground in the Q clash, probably saved them from dropping that game as well. And I also gave one to Caitlin Greiser because why not? The G-Train. The G-Train. Get on board. <laughs> Choo-choo. But, you know, big apologies. In fact, speaking of this week, we're going to get our listeners to do their own 3 2 because uh, it's just the two of us in the studio today. So we got you to pick a couple of players from each team that they could vote for on our Twitter and Facebook. Do you want to quickly just run us through the list? So if people want to vote for who they think was the best in St Kilda versus Melbourne, we had... Karen Paxman and Caitlin Greiser as our two options. Western Bulldogs versus Carlton, Maggie, Maddie Presparkis mm. and Georgia G as well. The Little Whippet kicked three goals. Uh, Gold Coast Suns versus Brisbane Lions. It was Katie Lutkins and uh, Emily Bates. Emma Bates. Emily Bates. <laughs> Emma Bates. Emily. <laughs> I get confused. Um, and then Collingwood versus Fremantle, Jamie Lambert and Britt Bonici were probably the two standout players in that game. Mm. Uh, GWS versus West Coast, Dana Hooker was phenomenal. And then uh, Privatelli kicked three goals and caused havoc for GWS. Yeah, she was awesome. Mm. Uh, Tigers and versus Parker. Ruse, ja- mm. uh, Jazzy Garner once again is having a standout season. And Kate Gillespie-Jones was an absolute stalwart across the halfback line and through the midfield. Mm-hmm. And then Geelong versus Adelaide, Danielle Ponta, four goals. Hard to look over that. And Eb- Ebony Marinov. As well, we said before. you actually slightly cheated because I asked you for two players per team, not game. Oh, no. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll fix it up because people get very upset when they can't vote for their when team. When they can't vote for their team? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I do, you know, encourage them to try and be a little bit neutral, but, you know, we'll give them the option anyway. Uh, all right. A couple of bits of audio for you. The first is Kirby's Pride-themed Voices from the Stands from over the weekend and we will also have uh, your, what is it, pride package, Emily. But, we're, well, I'm going to start with your interview with uh, Mua Loli. Laloifi. Laloifi, thank Lalo-ify. you. Um, because, yeah, I really enjoyed that one and I think everyone else will too. your name? Lauren. And who do you barrack for? Carlton. I did spy your very fancy scarf there. That's a very nice scarf. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We are here at the Pride Game today. Why is it important that we have a Pride Game? Um, For me it's it's just it's so comfortable being surrounded by people who are like me. It's it's a warm feeling. I come here with my brother um, who's always been so supportive of me Um, and it's just you know, we're with like-minded people who are the same and it's almost a, like like being home. And, yeah, it's, it's just a great feeling. That's really lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me your name? Jay. And who do you barrack for? Adelaide Crows. Adelaide Crows? So what brings you to the Witten Oval today? Well, it's the Pride game, so it's good to support the Pride game and uh, Adelaide are playing their only uh, game in Victoria tomorrow, so got two for one. Brilliant. Have you come over from South Australia? Uh, no, I live up near Dalesford. And what's the, what does the Pride game mean? Why does it matter that we play a Pride game? 
Oh, look, that's a big and complex question. Apart from the fact it's really colourful and fantastic and it's great to see the, you know, the great jumpers and and things, but, um, you know, visibility for the gay and lesbian community is still um, really important. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we've got um, religious bills going through and a nasty old plebiscite not so long ago, so it's really good for not only the players but the supporters to, to be able to come out and feel comfortable in their own skin and wear their pride with pridely. Amazing. And what do you love about the AFLW? Oh, I love the way they play. I love the, the tough skills. Um, I, love, I love the courage. I like the way they pick each other up and they smile. You know, they're, they're hard, hard as anything on the ground, but um, they're all smiling and, and running through the banner today together. Both teams was fantastic. Can you tell me your name? Ashley? I do know your name. Yeah, you do. <laughs> We've met. <laughs> and who do you brag for? I brag for St Kilda. So what brings you here today to the Witten Oval for the Pride match? Um, I think it's super important to turn up for Pride events, um, even though not, you know the team I support isn't playing today. Um, I think that having these Pride rounds is super important in terms of representation and also making a event of Pride, even though in 2020 some people might think that it's not necessary. I think it's still really important, especially in AFLW, making a point of, you know, pride and equality and inclusion, um, I think is always a good thing. Can you tell me what your name is? Rebecca. And who do you vote for? The Western Bulldogs. <laughs> now we're here today at the Pride game. Why does the Pride game matter? Why is it something that we should do? Just to raise awareness, acknowledgement, acceptance of people for who they are and let them be who they want to be. It is very special, yes. And what do you love about the AFLW? I love that finally women are getting their chance to have a go and show what they can do and show just how amazing they can be. Absolutely. Should I ask you what your name is? I'm Andy. Hello. <laughs> I know your name. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you barrack for? Again, a question I don't really need to ask you. Of course, I barrack for the Mighty Pies. So why are you here today at Witten Oval? Ah, uh, because how good's footy and how good's pride and how good's queer people at the footy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We are here for the pride game today. Why is it important that we have a pride game? Uh, I feel, well, for one, it should be a pride round. Every team Agreed. should have a pride game. Agreed. I want to buy a Magpie's Pride Guernsey so much. <laughs> they do not understand how much money they will make. But that's, never mind. But pride at footy is something I never expected to see. And after a lifetime of going to the footy and then finding a home in AFLW and then finding, like, my bedroom in that home in the Pride game, it's just, like, it's just, it's just belonging. Yeah. It's good. And, like, seeing people here that would never go to Pride but would always go to the footy and then seeing people here that would never go to the footy but come to Pride, it's just that beautiful crossover um, of my people. It's good. It's good. Yeah, as a feminist, um, I love seeing women playing any sport. And as a queer, I love seeing women all the time. <laughs> Especially playing sport. <laughs> Big fan of women. You're with Kick Like a Girl on Triple R Radio. And today we're at the Carlton Western Bulldogs game where Carlton has just had an amazing win over the doggies. And we've got a very special guest. It's more Lali Lala. Lala Weefy. Lala Weefy. Almost. Got it. Got it. How are you feeling? Yeah, wrapped. I'm feeling. Good. It's good to bounce back um, after a disappointing loss last weekend against uh, Collingwood. But, you know, come up to a quality side like Bulldogs, um, we knew we had to 
kind of execute a lot of the things that we did in last week and um, got away with it. So. Now, I don't know whether you know this or not, but uh, as an observer from the boundary line, you were pretty much one of the best on ground today. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> 13 touches, stack of rebound 50s, and really held that back line together. Is um, that's something that you've really tried to focus on, is being that anchor, being a key player in that back line? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So over the summer, um, try to learn off someone like Kez, who's really good at that role, and Charlotte Wilson. So, um, yeah, like, just go back, vision, improve. And, um, yeah, today was just, the ball just came here. <laughs> so you haven't been playing footy for long, though, have you? No, 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 no. no, no. no. So basketball background? I, I am, so. I am. So coming into football, three games into your AFLW career now, is this what you expect it to be? Um, oh, it's a, it's a lot more, like there's a lot more people. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I think the expectations has just gotten better every year. So um, yeah, I'm lucky enough to be a part of it. Um, yeah. Well, with the Pride game today as well, you're wearing the Pride jumpers. Darcy Bessio spoke during the week about not just representing the rainbow colours, but also the transgender flag and gender yeah. diverse community too. Is that also a dialogue that you guys have internally about the importance of being uh, advocates or ambassadors for a day like today? Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, like, we're, we're a club that, um, you know, really thrive on belonging. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, you know, we like to, to encourage each other to be happy, to be whoever they are, um, is something that, you know, as a group, we're, we're proud to be. So, um, yeah, yeah. And as for yourself, woman of colour, Pacifica background, <laughs> yeah. is that something as well where you have to feel like you have to be a role model for members of the community that maybe is not got the opportunity to be a part of uh, Australian rules football? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I never thought I would be. Um, I'd always thought, like, you know, you can influence just one person. Um, you know, you could go a long way as being a really good person. But, yeah, being in this platform, you know, and now I feel like I am a, a role model to, you know, the Islanders. Um, <laughs> so so it's good. It's something to, to really push for, even if you're not, you know, a standout at school. So, you know, you've got a pathway to get to, um, you know, AFLW if that's something that you want and or any other sport to, yeah, to keep practising and drive and, and, and you'll get there. So. Amazing. Well, you've been very impressive in your first three games of your AFLW career, so super excited to see what you got next. Thank you, thank you. No worries. Get around the girls and uh, enjoy the win. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> You're listening to Kick Like a Girl on Triple R. Woo! <laughs> I just thought the raucous crowd introduction was appropriate um, after more Laloifi's interview. She seems like a crack up. Her <laughs> laugh was contagious. I couldn't help but laugh interviewing her on the field because yeah she was just so positive so vibrant uh yeah she's a really exciting player too so she did play an yeah, excellent she was game exceptional so <laughs> i'm really looking forward to see uh how her career pans out i know so I she's love it. coming back from an acl just 18 months ago so yeah, yeah right to, to come back in to a sport like this where she hasn't really played much before and just really excel from the start it's it's just inspiring you're listening to a triple r podcast Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. And this week, you did a very special uh, package of audio for us. Do you want to give us a brief intro to what we're about to listen to? Yeah, I did. So, Pride Games are something that's really special to me. I'm an ambassador for Pride Cup Australia, so it's really 
important to see how it's celebrated. So I had the opportunity on the day to get around and speak to some really prominent people within Australian football mm-hmm. who have been active in the pride space and just see and listen and find out why it is important to them. And who did you speak to just briefly? So I had a chat with Danielle Warby, who mm-hmm. is one of the members of the Flying Bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's done an amazing amount of work in creating inclusive queer spaces in soccer or football. Yeah, Flying Bats being a soccer slash football club in New South Wales. Yeah. Queer uh, football yep. club. And she's been involved with gay games and done international tours with her football club. So mm-hmm. she's had an influence internationally and she's done a lot of special work. I also spoke with Debbie Lee. If People don't know Debbie Lee is known as one of the stalwarts of women's football in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are awards named after her and she's now currently working at the Western Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. And then we spoke with Darcy Vessio after the game, who has become one of the faces of Pride. So it was really important to hear her thoughts and views on the day. Great. I think everyone will enjoy this package. So here we go. Five minutes of Emily Fox's Pride segment. The AFLW Pride game is fast becoming one of the highlights on the football calendar. For an icon of the women's game like Debbie Lee, it's much more than just a game of football. Not only do we see uh, women's footy on a platform where people come and watch it. You know, today I'm not sure of the crowd, but probably five to 7,000. But today we also celebrate diversity um, and in a, in a true sense. And I think that's um, the wonderful thing that's been able, this sport's been able to do is actually talk about taboo conversations and being able to create a platform where people can actually support causes that, you know, traditionally in the AFL industry just haven't been spoken about. Whilst Debbie Lee is now the AFLW Operations Manager at the Western Bulldogs, the capacity to celebrate her sexuality and that of her teammates was very different than when she started playing football herself. I was at the Spurs. Um, We all supported each other, but when you stepped outside of that team, even within that club, let alone stepping on the ground, let alone stepping out into the footy community, that's when it became really tough. Um, and, and people just couldn't quite understand why we played footy. And, you know, most... I'm talking early 90s. You just didn't, you just didn't let people know that you were gay. You just didn't. It, it, just, it just wasn't thought of. It, you just knew that would be a really poor choice. I remember, and I've still got my good friends who've played footy with me for 15, 20 years. And, you know, I used to say to them, if they had a partner at our footy club, I used to say... It's a family club. I, me, as a gay woman, used to say to them, it's a family club, which meant do not show any affection to your female partner. And that was me. Uh, and and we, all, we, all just, we all just gave the nod, knowing, yep, yeah, OK, got it. I know what you mean, because it could cause difficulties. Danielle Warby has long been a prominent advocate for queer inclusion in sport and understands the importance of the AFLW Pride game. Straight up, it's about visibility, isn't it? You know, you... Um, you know, we have our communities and we're very visible in them, but it's good to be visible, I guess, out in the wider community as well. The visibility offered by Pride Games not only allows the players involved to celebrate their identity, it also creates role models for the wider community. Darcy Vessio is one of the stars of the Carlton team and understands the importance of being an ambassador for both the LGBTIQA community and multicultural communities. Coming from Darabin, um, you know, there's a, uh, we have such a diverse community there, um, so we've always sort of held those values close to our hearts and um, I guess coming into Carlton and, and then us having the opportunity to have the Pride game with the Bulldogs, it just seemed like a, a natural sort of progression and um, I guess as our platforms have risen with AFLW, it seems like the responsible thing to do. 
and the influence that embracing diversity creates isn't lost on Darcy, especially for the younger generations establishing their own identities. I remember just not really thinking I was any different and um, it's sort of as you grow up you realise that the journey you've taken can be shaped by the way people look at you rather than how you just see yourself. So I think for me, um, you know, I've sort of come to realise who I am a bit more um, and through, you know, ambassadorships through like multiculturalism and that sort of thing, um, that's helped me sort of discover a bit more about myself. Whilst the AFLW Pride game is helping create greater acceptance for the sexual diverse community, the inclusion of transgender athletes in sport is still being challenged openly by both the media and politically. Debbie Lee understands that this fight for equality is reminiscent of her experience at the beginning of her football career. I mean, we had the um, Pride Cup organisation come speak to the girls and stuff this week and, you know, I'm sitting in the room, Hannah Mousy was in there and having a chat to us and I think she made a very good point. She said the transgender community is probably where the gay community was 20 years ago. And you sort of go, yeah, you're right. And you can understand the, the challenges and the battles that they will be facing. Darcy Vessio is one person not afraid to advocate for the trans community and recognises the role anyone can have in becoming a better ally. We had Rochelle come in from Carlton Pride who's a transgender woman and share her story and I think just the girls being able to see someone who is trans and also hear I guess the, the hurt and, and also the strength that they show through their story um, is really important but I think I'm, you know, I'm not trans myself so I don't have that lived experience and I think yeah, if I can just advocate for trans people then that's all I can really do. As the sirens sounded on another successful AFLW Pride game and the 8,000 fans made their way home from Witten Oval, Danielle Warby can't help but share the message from the day. It's just super important to be, be visible and um, you know, show the, the community and the wider community that we're here, we're queer and we play sport and you can come join us and yeah, all of those smiley happy things. Smiley, happy things. Well done, Emily. That was awesome. Um, great job. You did not only getting all those interviews, but cutting them all together. Well, we've got to put a special thanks in to Emily Lonsdale, who is the Kick Like a Girl, well, one of the Kick Like a Girl <laughs> uh, little tech operators. I'm not very computer savvy at all. So, yeah, between uh, Jacinta and Emily doing all the work, and Emily really helped with that one. So, got to yes. thank her for that. Big thanks to Emily and Jacinta Masters, who do a lot of cutting together of audio for us. Um, great segment, though. Pretty heartbreaking to hear Debbie Lee talk about um, times when, yeah, she had to say things like it's a family club. That was, yeah, that was hard to listen to, but um, important. Thank you for capturing that. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. This week we were really lucky uh, to speak indirectly anyway to Fremantle Dockers captain Cara Antonio who had a name change over the off-season because she married her teammate Ebony Antonio. <laughs> I think that was yeah, one of the best stories coming into this season. Well, it just felt perfect for Pride Week. So um, we were really lucky that Danae Gibson at RTR FM, the talks producer there, um, offered to sit down and do uh, a 10-minute interview with Cara. So please enjoy. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Uh, it's super exciting for uh, fans of Frio to be uh, heading into round three of the AFLW season uh, two and zero. So congratulations to the team. Are you doing a fantastic Thanks. job? Thank you. Yeah, it's been a good start. Nice start. Um, 
it's always nice to kick off the season with a few wins. We just have to obviously keep plugging away and um, hopefully get the win this weekend against Collingwood. Yeah, I, I can't be there this weekend. I've got other things on and I'm, I, I promise I'm not thinking danger game, danger game. What I'm actually thinking <laughs> is it must be great to have three weekends at home uh, early in the season because yeah. Frio always has to travel. So this must be really good for you. Yeah, it was nice. It was. I suppose this year's actually been the first year that we've had our round one clash at home. So in previous year, the pre- the previous, I suppose, three seasons we've had to travel uh, over east. So it was nice, obviously, get round one at home and and then um, play obviously the derby for the first ever time, but uh, as an away game, but it was in our own backyard, which was nice. And then and have another home game round three. So it's it's been really nice on the body and mind and to to keep I suppose a routine pretty pretty normalised um, over the first three weeks, which has been nice. And to recover at in the great Indian Ocean rather than um, other <laughs> mucky waters. But That's right. We, That's could exactly talk, right. we could talk about uh, Frio and your great form for a while, but uh, I'm specifically wanting to chat this morning about uh, the, the Pride Games that are happening in the AFLW mm. competition this weekend. In 2018, you and Ebony came out as a couple... Uh, and why did you feel it was important to tell your story to the broader community? Uh, I, don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know why we thought it was important. I think that's just it's normal for us. It, it's who we are, and it, we're proud to be who we are. And I think um, it's obviously hopefully helped a number of other people be able to express um, who they are and feel comfortable with that. So we're obviously lucky enough to have the platform that we do to to tell our story and to to tell our story to others and. And hopefully, um, yeah, that gives the confidence in others to, to stand up for who they are and, and um, yeah, be loud and proud, I suppose. It's, it's funny to think we've only had marriage equality for a couple of years, but it was a, a challenging time during the plebiscite and lots of other uh, women sports stars have talked about having that tough time and, and maybe even uh, that making them more willing to come out and, uh, and, and be visible. Was that the case for you? Uh, yes, no. I think um, again, we're pretty lucky to be in a in a club and in an environment and a community that's that's really accepting and really welcoming, and um, we feel really comfortable with who we are. And a number of others obviously do too. So um, I suppose we're in the the generation now that society it's becoming the norm and it's acceptable. And obviously, the yes vote um, on marriage equality was a massive part of that. And um, you know regardless of, of what people say, we're, we're not going to change who we are. We're happy mm. with who we are. I'm really proud of who we are. And, um, you know, our life, we love our life together and we're building something really special that, um, again, hopefully um, others can read our story and follow our story and journey. And, and hopefully um, if they're struggling with the same issues that we did um, in coming out, then that, then that helps them to express who they are. And you really got to enjoy the fruits of that labour by having a wedding. Congratulations. What was it like? Thank you. Yeah, it was amazing. Amazing day uh, in October last year. And uh, it feels like a lifetime ago now, I suppose, um, since that day. We've we've been overseas. We've been up to Karajini um, and Jigalong with some, some young female athletes, which was really cool. And 
went overseas to America for our honeymoon and, and have been training, um, you know, in the heat the heat of the, the summer months, I suppose, here in Perth. So it feels like a lifetime ago, but it was an ama- amazing day um, with family and friends. And it actually uh, rained. Uh, <laughs> it was beautiful weather the day before and the day after, and we got the day in the middle that, but yeah, the, um, the rain was atrocious. But again, we made it what it was, and it was all inside, so it was a beautiful day. I'm sure it's fortuitous for it to rain on a special occasion. And also, you're from Victoria originally, so you had to have a little bit of home, right? Exactly. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So tell us about changing your name. What was that conversation like and why is it important to you? Yeah, um, I suppose when uh, I suppose when yeah, Ebony and I were speaking about um, you know getting engaged and and eventually getting married, it was it was a pretty easy conversation in terms of name change. Um, I pretty much just said, look, I'm more than happy to to take your name. Um, my my previous surname was linked to my father that um, unfortunately uh, wasn't around at all. I was um, raised by a single mum who was my mum and dad and she did a bloody good job at it. And um, yeah, that name was linked to a, a part of my life that I wanted to leave behind and, and start a new chapter with, with Ebony, with her surname. So it was a really easy decision for me and, and for both of us. And I'm really proud to be able to don that, that surname, um, such an incredible family, the Antonios. And they were They've been very supportive of obviously Ebony and my career and, and life um, thus far. So, yeah, a really easy conversation and, and decision made by both of us. I was at the Derby uh, last round and so I watched the replay during the week and I noticed that none of the commentators had any problem um, discerning which Antonio was uh, at, at the play at the time. So uh, good on you. Um, does that mean the Antonios might have children in the future? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that uh, we've both spoken about, and again, we're we're really keen to just hopefully get uh, a number of more years out of our boys in in playing and mm-hmm. um, life after footy, um, head down that journey. But it's definitely something that we're really keen to to do and to grow our family in that in that aspect. So, yeah, in the in the near future, no doubt you'll um, hopefully see um, some little yeah Antonios running around, which would be great. Fantastic. Uh, this week we've got a couple of Pride games happening, uh, and unfortunately Freo isn't playing in in one yet. Would you like to see a, a round of of Pride games in the AFLW? Oh, I don't. I mean, it's great to to see a number of clubs jump on board. Um, we're actually it's our Indigenous round this weekend, so we're really uh, at the football club. Really, a really proud football club of our. Aboriginal culture uh, within the game, but also within uh, the four walls of our football club. So I'm really proud to be a part of, of our Indigenous uh, round this year. And um, we've got a jumper that's been designed by a number of players and, and Richard Wally and Uncle um, and Arnie Colleen Haywood. So again, that's, I suppose each club um, has got something that they're really passionate about. And ours at the moment is that Indigenous culture and Aboriginal people and their rich history um, that they've brought to our game. So I'm really proud to be a part of that. But again, the other the other four clubs that are the being part of the Pride Round is, is obviously really special as well. And it's something I think that, I mean, the men's game, I think Sydney and St Kilda um, are a part of that every year, which is really special. And I think the more it grows and the more awareness, um, and I suppose the more that we can talk about it and reduce the stigma associated with it, which unfortunately there still is some link to it, um, the better for our game and, and our society. 
I agree. Uh, the um, smoking ceremony at uh, Fremantle Oval a couple of weeks ago, before the round, uh, before the comp started, uh, was amazing. And um, congratulations to all the players in the club for embracing uh, Aboriginal culture um, in such a meaningful way. Uh, I just wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions about uh, Darcy Vessio posted um, yesterday about. Uh, what is off limits when it comes to sledging in women's footy? And it's partners and families, sexuality and body shaming. Uh, how do you feel about that? Oh, I think there's there's a line that that you can't you that's not you can't cross it um, in any aspect of life, whether it's on the footy field or walking down the street. To be quite honest with you, I don't think playing a sport makes it any more acceptable than walking down the street. Um, you know, there's, I mean, there was a, bit, a lot of, a lot of friendly banter on the weekend against um, playing the West Coast Eagles, and there'll be an, a number of, you know, a number of games that will have friendly banter, no doubt, across the weekend. Um, it's all going to be above board, and there's, you know, as soon as you go, I suppose, step over that line and cross that line, that's deemed unacceptable. I completely agree and support that, um, and something needs to be done, but. I think in, in, it, it all comes down under and falls under the spirit of the game, and we play it for we all play it for a reason because we love it, and we don't need to bring that kind of behaviour into to, yeah to bring the spirit of the game into this dispute. Well, thank you, Cara, for chatting with us today. All the best for the rest of the comp. Heave ho! Yeah, thanks for having me. Go for you. This is Leah Kasler from the Gold Coast Suns. You're listening to Kick Like a Girl on Triple R Radio. I loved that interview. Big thank you to Danae uh, and Cara Antonio. I'm impressed Danae didn't totally geek out as a fangirl. <laughs> Seemed to keep pretty composed. But, yeah, uh, Cara is a very special player, so we're very, 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 very lucky to have her on the show this week. I know. I loved it. And we are getting some tweets to our show. We don't actually have talk back or even an SMS line on this show, so it's already um, unusual and nice to see some people tweeting us. So Len said, listening to Kick Like Girl and Triple R, love this show, really love Emily Fox's insightful game analysis and interviews, Kirby's voices from the stands and Kate O'Halloran's passion in everything AFLW and the fact she created a Darcy Vessio Smash the Patriarchy segment. Thanks, Len. Thanks, Len. Uh, David also said, love the insights Kate O'Halloran and M give one heck of an AFLW show. And someone I knew would tweet because she's our biggest fan, Fernie Fern. Yay! <laughs> tweeted about an hour ago getting ready to listen to my fave AFLW radio show, Kick Like a Girl. It's Fernie is the biggest AFLW fan in the world, in I general. think. Yeah. She's probably the heart and soul of the Collingwood AFLW fan club, but I did see her on the football on Friday night wearing Saints gear. Oh, so she's got like every club's membership and, and jumpers, so that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> GWS it's... is her official second team. Oh, GWS yeah, is? Yeah, 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 yeah. And North is third, That's so right. get it right. Yep. Uh, now we need to get into Darcy Vessio's uh what do we call it, named after her, self-named, no, we named it, segment, um, and everybody loves the new intro, so we're going to give that another play. Smash the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, so good. Um, this week I wanted to quickly talk to you about um, the umpiring because there was a bit of back and forth on Twitter, people like Becca Hayne who also loves this show saying, you know, why aren't we talking about it on the radio because it's atrocious. Uh, yeah, just wanted to get your feelings. For me, it's a difficult one. 
as a coach with my team, I tend to communicate to my players that there is no such thing as good umpiring or bad umpiring. There mm-hmm. is just umpiring because you can never influence the way that the umpires handle the game. Obviously, we get upset when we see some bad calls. We saw that bad call, uh, Geelong versus Adelaide, which people are saying might have you know, cost Geelong the game, and we don't like to see that. But as far as the general standard of umpiring is concerned in the AFLW this year, I think it's actually been quite good. I haven't had any real mm. issues at all. But there is feedback coming back to the community that they're not happy. So mm, I don't think it's been great, actually. I thought in the first round that it looked like it had changed. I mean, we had Razor, we had Eleni, we had, you know, a number of the top-notch uh, umpires involved. I think that was part of the request that came through for the uh, during the CBA negotiations late last year that were quite tense. Um, and I thought in that first week it seemed like they were paying more free kicks. That You know, I just, I think oh, since AFLW started that there's a tendency to let the game go. I think... Um, there's holding the ball decisions that don't get paid. I think incorrect disposal doesn't get paid enough. That's probably true of the men's game too, but I think it's uh, more extreme in the women's game. I don't know whether it's that paternalistic, like let's let the game go because we don't want it to be congested and pay too many frees. I don't know. What do you think? I certainly think there's an element of that. Even when it comes, even filters down to the level of football where I play. Mm quite often they will let the play go because it's like, oh, the girls are having a go. The girls tried. They did their best. But we look at it and, you know, legitimate high-skilled athletes, you don't dispose the ball correctly. The opposition should be rewarded. Mm. If you make that tackle and you pin them, you should get rewarded. Mm. And the first round it was, it was really like they saw in a contested space, if there was an infringement, you pay it, Mm. the play moves on. Mm. Lately, it does seem like they're going back to what mm. they've done the last few years and just letting the play roll on. And we're getting these rolling more. Which actually creates further congestion because yeah. if you just pay the holding the ball or incorrect disposal, the game moves on. And the <laughs> issue as well is if you're creating further congestion, you're actually creating greater potential for injuries as well. Mm. So if you're constantly doing contested play, you're more mm. likely to get concussions or suffer from ankle injuries, those lower limb injuries where you can get twisted up in tackles. Mm. Mm. So. Having said that, they are letting it go and we are getting some really high-scoring games. So if the mm. AFL is looking at it as regards to points on the board, mm. I don't think they could complain at mm. the moment. But as far as the spectacle is concerned, I think that the players doing those really strong one percenters, those pressure acts, do mm. deserve to get rewarded for their work. Mm. Me too. Just very quickly because we need to preview next round, did you think it was the correct call? Uh, deliberate rush behind at the end of the Geelong Adelaide game. No, it was disgraceful. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in the history of my watching football in nearly 40 years of my life. So, uh, yeah, really bad call, but I'd say the umpire gets reviewed and the umpire hopefully will have an opportunity to assess that decision and do better next time. See, I actually don't even think it was that bad. I actually think it was technically correct. She wasn't really under pressure, although I think the momentum, the force that she was running with for her to actually pivot and come back the other way, you know, that's a knee injury written all over it. And Mm -hmm. I just think it wasn't in the spirit of that game to pay that free kick at that point in time. Yeah, I don't think – it didn't actually look like she deliberately rushed it. It looked like she was trying to pivot and get back into play. it looked like she stopped as soon as she could, you know. Yeah, but – Anyway, um, all right, we need to review the round because it's uh, about eight minutes to one. We've got Zero G coming up next on Triple R. You're on Kick Like Girl, AFLW Radio, round four. Kicking off Friday night, it's actually just before the men's uh, State of Origin game, so it's at Marvel Stadium, 5.40 early start time, Collingwood, Melbourne. 
tips? <laughs> Melbourne are playing good football. Collingwood are playing good football. They're both two and one now. I think Collingwood will have the edge in this game. Mm, I'm going to tip Melbourne because I think they'll be really uh, hurting from losing to the Saints. As good as the Saints were, I think everyone expected them to win and they probably expected themselves to win. So a mm-hmm. uh, bit of an early time, though. I don't like it starting at 5.40. I think it's too early for people to get there from work. It and- does feel like this game's been placed between the bushfire um, relief game as mm. a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, well, it was on. they scheduled it for the same night, so they had to yes. put it before it. But I think, you know, why couldn't it have been at 6 at least anyway? 6.30 would have even been better. I mean, it's a shorter game, so the men's could have kicked off later. But anyway, um, you know where preferences lie with these things. <laughs> uh, then on Saturday we have Richmond-Geelong. Two teams desperate for a win at this stage of the year. Uh, but based on current form, I can't see Geelong dropping this one. This game, actually, I should say, is in Bendigo. So get on down, locals. I think, yeah, Geelong, easily. Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo. Then we have Kangaroos, Suns at Arden Street. I'm really looking forward to going to this game. I can't believe I'm going to get to watch a game of football at Arden Street for the first time ever in my life. (laughs) Uh, And it's bike riding distance from where I live. So very excited. Uh, Even though North Melbourne's playing great football and their midfield is really on top, I'm going to go for the Suns because I think there's something happening there. Hmm. I think they've been excellent, but I don't know. Aren't you worried about kangaroos? I mean, well, they scored, what, 76 points last last round? Yeah, they that's, kicked a few. That's Yeah, 76. That's some firepower that they're coming up against. But no one's really put a score up against Gold Coast yet either. Their defence has been very, very strong. So mm. it's going to be fascinating to watch how they uh, clash against each other. Mm. Interesting, actually, that they drew with um, Brisbane, given how many players were poached. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, all right, then we have the Eagles back at home, 7-10 against the Doggies. At this stage of the season, Eagles look like they're miles away from getting a win on the board. Mm. And the Doggies will want to get this one because they're in a tough conference. Yeah. So they'll really need to get the points. So I think Bulldogs will have the measure of the West Coast Eagles. Well, I hope so. It's about time we had another win. Been waiting since round one against the Saints. <laughs> I don't think we're uh, in with much hope of making the finals, actually, in that conference at the moment. Then on Sunday, uh, Adelaide host Carlton, one ten. Such a tough one to tip again, but I think Adelaide will have the ascendancy mm. here. When are we going to see Aaron Phillips back? Every week it's like, oh, she's getting close, but not yet. They're, they're kind of keeping it under wraps pretty well. I think they're pulling our leg a bit, really, because she was meant to be, you know, touch and go for the first game and mm-hmm. then it's gone quiet since then, hasn't it? <laughs> I just can't wait to see her back. I'll wait forever. I'll be patient. Well, it's, it's just worth not the it. same. I'm going to have to go to Adelaide, I think, to watch her play because I don't think they're back. No, this that... is their only game in Melbourne. No. Last week. Last week, yeah. Mm. So we won't get to see them again unless they're here in the finals. Mm, mm. Well, or they'd probably be at home in the finals, really, depending on where they finish. Uh, then we have the Saints up against the undefeated Freo Dockers at 3.10. I'm going to be attending this game as well because at it's Moorabbin. such an amazing show at Moorabbin. I love St Kilda's win on the weekend. I would really like to say that they could continue that form, but Fremantle are just phenomenal at the moment they've, so they've yeah. been a bit too good haven't they but this is the first time they've traveled this year so let's see how that works out for them i don't know if you watched the Fremantle game on tv did you yes yes i did did you hear in the last quarter that a woman um got caught on mic shouting out marry me duffy i did not <laughs> but sabrina's pretty young yeah I know. she's only 19 <laughs> 
well, I she's don't know. still going to have some fun before she gets locked down. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's true. But, you know, <laughs> I thought I actually um, did my ABC column this week on um, Pride Week and I started it with that because I thought <laughs> it's just one of those quirky AFLW moments that's yeah, so. That um, you love. Well, you know, and is in line with the spirit of women's footy. You know, would you hear a same-sex marriage proposal at a men's game? Uh, mm. Not loudly. <laughs> Maybe under someone's breath. Yeah, not I've, not picked up on mic on national TV. I'm pretty sure I did that pre-transition a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like proposals are uncommon, but, you know, like, you know, being so proud about it. Yeah, know. exactly. And that's what's the beauty of the AFLW. I love it. I loved it. And I also thought, you know. It's ironic given the Cara Ebony situation. Bit of inspiration there. Mm. <laughs> um, and the last game of the round is Brisbane GWS, 5-10 at Hickey Park in Brisbane. This is a do-or-die game for both these teams as well, Conference A. Well, both conferences are ridiculously strong, so it's hard to ascertain exactly who can make the finals at mm. the moment. But both of these teams are in Conference A and they both will need wins. But I think Brisbane at home. Well, Brisbane now with the draw are half a game ahead in Conference A and their their percentage is not really going to matter anymore unless, you know. Unless Gold Coast as well is up there. Well, true, exactly, although they do have a better percentage than Gold Coast. So it's Brisbane, Kangaroos, GWS are in the finals spots of Conference A at the moment. And in B we've got Frio, Collingwood and Carlton with Melbourne out on percentage. Sound familiar? Yeah, we're getting used to that now, aren't we? <laughs> Oh, I feel poor demons. Poor demons. They really, yeah. I think we need them in finals this year. I think they're deserving of it and have been for many years running. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. All right, that is about all we have time for today. Thank you, Emily. You have been amazing this week. Thanks for your um, pride package and all your interviews, hard work, etc. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> and same back to you as well, the amazing work you do behind the desk. Well, thank, well I don't know how amazing it is really. Uh, we should also say a big thanks to Danae Gibson, RTRFM, for that interview with Cara Antonio and all of our interviewees, Darcy Vessio, Moore, Lalawifi, Lalawifi, Danielle Warby, Danielle Warby, Debbie from, Lee, Debbie Lee. I should say Dan's from Siren Sport, co-founder mm-hmm. of our Women in Sport Media Collective. This is presenter Kate O'Halloran. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Kick Like a Girl, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R during the AFLW season. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Kick Like a Girl Facebook page, Twitter, or website. <laughs> <laughs>